colorful people, welcome to my show Allies in Politics, where I help people of color and new citizens understand Australian politics. In Australia, only 31% of the federal parliamentarians are female, and the Interparliamentary Union ranks Australia down at 50th in the world for female representation, behind many Scandinavian, African, and Latin American countries that boast over 40% representation in their lower houses. Federal Parliament also lacks people of colour representatives. Data on the cultural diversity of the 46th Parliament is scarce, but a 2018 report from the Australian Human Rights Commission found that just 4.1% of parliamentarians had a non-European background. In a news article, the Green Senator Faruqi said, quote, It looks nothing like the world that most people live in in Australia, and I can tell you it's a lonely place for me. And quote. We've got Manny Korbama joining us today. Manny is a lawyer and a human rights advocate, and she's also a member of the Labour Party as well as the Emily's List Australia. She has also previously run for local council for the city of Casey when she was just the ripe age of 18. Manny, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tarani. How's your week been? Yeah, it's been good. I mean, um, the best it can be in a lockdown, but it's been all right. That's good to hear. So let's dive right in, shall we? Um, Manny, you've dipped your feet in politics by having run for local council in the past. Can you tell me what that experience was like? Yes. Um, well, it was um, It was quite um it was quite a learning curve. Um, I was only 18 at the time and I still remember the elections were around the same time that I had my year 12 exams. Um, so that didn't give me a lot of time to sort of um, prepare in that regard. Um, but it was a very good experience. I, I did work with a lot of um, councillors that had been councillors for quite a while. So there was like the third or fourth terms that they were running uh, for at the time. Um, so I think it was good, but again, it was it was a bit disappointing because there weren't many people that looked like me in that uh, in that process. So there weren't, weren't a lot of people that I could, um, you know, rely on and depend upon to sort of share the experiences that I was facing when I would go door knocking. Um, the experiences that I had were very different to the experiences other candidates were, um, were going through. And, you know, um, the sort of... Um, the sort of feedback that they would get when they would door knock would be very different and the questions that they would be asked would be very different to the questions that I was asked. Like, 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 well, I'm very curious, what sort of questions were you asked that they weren't? Um, just, you know, um, people, I think some of the questions were quite personal, which I don't think most candidates would be asked, like, you know, uh, where do you come from, which kind, like, you know, not necessarily just the country, but whereabouts in the country and, you know, is it that you, uh, sort of this, um, a little bit of, I guess stigma in that regard that is it you're running so you're just going to sort of support um, your communities or will you also be a voice for the wider community um, so you know I don't think these are questions that they would have asked someone that's you know um, uh, has a, comes from an Anglo-Celtic background so I don't think I don't think I was treated the same as what um, other candidates may have been treated. Um, but having said that, I think it was still it was still a good uh, learning experience to know the processes and to know how um, council elections work. And you know, in terms of uh, particularly like preferences and the internal processes, which we wouldn't really know um, until you actually go and um, engage in that process. So I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. You were just eighteen. 
So you're probably just about qualified to run, I'd imagine. Yes. What What made you run? Um, a number of things. Um, one was the local community. So I went to um, so I I was quite active in the the local um Sikh temple. Um, and it was often raised that the some of the issues that mattered most to us were not really being raised um by the local council. Um, things like that. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of that area at the city of Casey, but there was Evans Road um that had been under construction like forever really and that that was really the only road that sort of leads to the temple um so it was quite important to us um and just just other little um issues that were really relevant to the Sikh community that weren't being addressed um so things like that and I guess they were they were on their agenda it was definitely mentioned at every council election every city of Casey council election that would be on the agenda for every candidate essentially but it was never it was sort of on the priority list right at the bottom because you know it, it didn't I would say um, it it was an issue that was a good it was a ripe issue for campaigns, but it wasn't an issue that um, would generally you know be prioritised because I guess they didn't have any um, the, the candidates or the um, councillors didn't really have any lived experiences and around that issue like they they didn't it didn't really matter to them as much as that, as it would for someone of colour or someone of the Sikh community. So things like that, you could really tell that because there wasn't proper representation in council, um, issues that mattered most to people of, of of color were not being addressed. So who, so did the community rally behind you and told you, you know, Manny, go ahead and do this, run run for council? Yeah. Is, is that what happened? Well, I think, um, it, to be honest, I can't really remember who was the first person I spoke to and how that conversation began. Um, but yes, a lot of people at the temple sort of encouraged. Um, and then um, and then I think I met a couple of counsellors because I, I was quite involved within the council on a, from a volunteer perspective. Like I had won um, the Australia Day Study Tour Award a couple of years ago. Um, and that's how I sort of got to know about more about politics than I had to sort of, um, and as part of that award they um there's three phases to it so they teach you about the local council the state parliament and the federal parliament and we went to the federal parliament we actually met kevin rudd um around that time as well oh wow literally a couple of days after um this was a couple of days before julia gillard became the prime minister (laughs) (laughs) i'd wish oh wow earlier um but anyway so that this was around that time so i think i'd had some sort of experience and um I was quite involved with within council, and that sort of led to this. Um, and especially because I used to go to the citizenship ceremonies, and I would present at them alongside Anthony Byrne, who was the local MP. Um, and I could, you know, you would see how many people were, uh, were being admitted, uh, how many people were becoming citizens um, every, you know, at every ceremony. And yet, our, um, you know, matters or issues that were of concern to us weren't being raised in council. So speaking of representation, you are part of the Labour Party and also part of the MLS list, which is an initiative by the Labour Party to encourage more women to run. Um, I've heard from having spoken to other people of colour candidates that pre-selection has has been a sticking point um, in terms of the fact that people of colour get into they become members of political parties they join and then when it comes time for pre-selection they either get they either don't get pre-selected or even if they do they get pre-selected for unwinnable seats yeah 
I think that's that's a fair point to make. Um, there is a lot of stigma around that. Uh, I remember recently I wanted to, you know, I was considering running for um, a federal seat myself and every time I'd speak to people about, you know, this particular seat that I wanted to run for, um, there was a lot of stigma around, um, you know, is it, are you considering that particular seat because it's, it's a marginal seat. It's a seat that possibly Labour Party will not win. Um, and that wasn't true. Like, I actually was passionate about that particular seat because, you know, um, I had sort of local knowledge of that area. So, um, yes, there is a lot of stigma around that. Um, it's within the party and I think outside as well within our community. Um, and I think it, there's two reasons for it. One is that... Um, there's not a lot of awareness and knowledge unless you're actually in the party you've got no idea about how the pre-selection processes work um, and I think that's a gap that we really need to address um, and it can be quite difficult for someone who's um, come from a different country or who's migrated to Australia to not only just learn the processes of um, you know running for a party or running for a seat but to also learn the internal processes and how you know the the um, which who to talk to really like who's who in the zoo like I think it's really difficult and unless we can navigate that um we can't really navigate the pre-selection process um so you I know it's funny funny because I I'm from from a different country originally and mm -hmm. this is a concept that was completely new to me like when I first heard I was like what is pre-selection I thought whoever wants to run can run <laughs> as long as you're part of a political party. Number one, I thought you have to be a member of a political party. And then number two, I was, I just thought, yeah, if you put up your hand, you know, and, and then that's it, you're selected. But yeah, so that was new to me. And, and what I've learned, learned is that different parties have different pre-selection processes yeah. as well. So that sort of makes it more complicated, isn't it? It's hard enough to choose whether to run uh, which political party to run for and then to decide which one's going to offer you the pre-selection option to actually get selected to yeah. run and yeah I think um in terms of choosing I think you have to choose a party that aligns with your values regardless um it I would not recommend choosing a party that has an easier pre-selection process because ultimately there's really no point of running when your values are not going to be aligned with the party um and that same sort of thing with when you do choose a party and within the party there may be different groups so there may be different uh, ways of that in which it works uh, I think the key is to always remain true to yourself because you can learn the processes and you can learn how to navigate. It may take you three years, five years, seven years, but as long as you're true to yourself um, and, and as long as you align yourself with your values, because that's something that's never going to change. Um, so I think that's the, really the key. And I, I feel a lot of people at a lot of stages in their life feel that the end point is to get that seat or the end point is to get into parliament and it doesn't matter what comes in the way and they tend to like you know like you said there may be some parties that have, that have easier pre-selection processes so they'll pick one and they go down that path and then the problem with that is um ultimately you're not going to be happy because you're not happy with the decisions that is that are being made by the party so um i think you've really got to yeah again you've, you've really got to be true to yourself you've got to have that courage um and then sort of resist um it, it won't be easy to as a woman of color as a young woman of color because you know there's this mold about politicians that you've got to fit that particular mold you've got to be a particular age you've got to look a particular way you've got to talk a particular way so there's this whole mold but I think you've got to really have courage to break that and to really push people and say well 
you know, consider me on my merit instead of considering how I look or how I don't fit into the way people generally see politicians. And and it's as crazy as it sounds. Why, you know, why aren't there enough people of color then getting pre-selected? I mean, it's, I feel like it's nice to hear, you know, be true to yourself. And I guess all of us at the core want to be true to ourselves because that's the easiest way to be, right? Yeah. Rather than living a, a lie. Um, but but yet that's that's the one thing that makes it all so hard. Yeah. Um, you know, what do you think can be done to 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 sort of break that barrier? It's like a chicken and egg. We need more people of color, but then we can't really get there. So what do you think should be done? I think, um look, I, I think definitely we can't say that there's um we can't say that there's not enough women of color people of color to run for these seats there are i would say there's more than enough people of color that are capable and able to run for these seats um what is missing i feel is a support system um like i was quite fortunate that i had emily's list for example or i had a a number of people that i could speak to and rely upon and sort of you know have a conversation with someone and then be able to unpack that with someone else and say well what does that conversation mean you know um what is that uh, what does that piece of advice mean? Are they actually helping me? Because politics at the end of the day is just so layered um, and you need to be able to have that support system to be able to have these discussions and to support one another. So I think that's really important to have those networks. Um, and I think that's where we're sort of um, lacking, particularly for um, migrants and people of color that they don't really know how to access Well, there's not many, to be honest, there's not many support systems around. Um, but the ones that are around, it's it's a bit hard to access sometimes, you don't really know. Um, and they've all sort of got a criteria, for example, Emily's list only helps uh, women. Um, so, you know, there's maybe there's nothing for men of color. So we've really got to have I think that's really the key. We've, we need to work on these support systems. And it, and like you pointed out quite correctly, it's really hard to build these because every party has different um, rules. So you can't have one organization that's sort of helping all of these candidates. It's got to be really custom and tailor-made for each particular party. Does that mean that it might actually be better to run as an independent then if you're a person of color? Because it's just all pre-selection is all too hard. You know, if you run as an independent, you just pre-select yourself. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, yes and no, um, because you, again, at the end of the day, um, you do need the support of people around you. Um, and it's, it can be quite, uh, well, I, I wouldn't, I don't have much experience as an, in, like I've never run as an independent, so I don't really, I can't say too much about that. But what I would say is the reason I chose to run uh, within a party or, you know, choose to be part of a party is because, um, I would like to have their support and I would like to sort of push for change from within the party um, that, you know, if we're, if you look at the political landscape that we're currently in, we've got two major political parties. So ultimately, um, if we can't force these parties to change their processes and procedures, you look like sort of, um, you know, gender equality and uh, women representation, we've really come a long way. I think it'd be wrong to say that we haven't progressed in that regard. We have, um, but it needs to really come from the masses. I think it's really difficult to do it. I mean, each person obviously counts, um, but I think it's really difficult to do it on your own. Yeah, you really do need to sort of um, 
push the parties to have progressive agendas. Fair point. And look, it's a it's a tough decision. And this is a conversation that I've had with various people time and time and again. And you know, they either say, oh, you know, join the Greens and you know, join the Labour Party, and then they're like, no, 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 you know, none of their values align. You know, they don't align fully with my values. There are some stuff in there going on in the party that you know that I don't agree with. So, you know. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> but I guess, you know, there is a case to make that if you were to run as an independent, if you have the support and the financial capability to do it, I guess that could be yes. a pretty good uh, option. So my next question to you, Manny, is you are currently doing research with Deakin University on the topic of viewing Australian politics from the lens of intersectionality. Can you talk a little bit about what intersectionality means as it pertains to people of colour in politics? Yeah, so I guess um, it's a term that was coined um, quite a few years ago by a lawyer. Um, and it essentially, it's just to make it as simple as possible, um, it's pretty much about viewing people from the lens of um, uh, to see that they have multiple identities. Uh, for example, I could be, I'm a female, I'm a migrant, I, uh, I belong to an Indian background. So to be able to see that all of these different identities and how they overlap, and that is the reason that I experience things differently than what you may experience. Um, so to make it as simple as possible, it's essentially being able to view um, that everyone has different experiences or suffers um, from uh, you know, has, suffers differently because of the overlap of our identities. So no one per, no two people have the same experience. Um, and I think it's really important that we sort of have this lens because, um, like you know, as a lawyer, for example, I may get two different people walking through the door and they've both been discriminated at work. Um, it although the the law may be the same, so the legislation might be the same that applies to both of them. Um, it's until we can acknowledge that they've had different experiences, we can't apply the law that's tailored for them. Um, but once we can once we can acknowledge that they've had different experiences because of the their own, you know, it may be the cultural background, it may be their norms, it may be sort of their socioeconomic um, status. So when, when we acknowledge that, then we can apply the law that's um, sort of tailored to them and then as a result of that you sort of aim to get remedies that are more tailored for them so you can sort of reach true a true form of justice and I think that's really the importance that we need to be able to address that difference. That sounds like you know a great way to approach things um so in terms of politics why is why do you think intersectionality is a is an important concept to to consider? Yeah, well, I think um, it sort of comes back to that same point that about lived experiences, that um, if we don't consider intersectionality and we don't have um, the, the, we don't, like the politicians don't have the lived experiences, um, it's really hard for us to relate and then make policies and make laws that are relevant to people. Um, like, I think it's timely that we're talking about this with the, the summit that's actually the women's summit that's currently happening and we've got grace tame talking about um you know it's just so powerful and making um you know she's advocating so powerfully and she can do so because she's i mean it's unfortunate but she's got this lived experience that she can talk truly from what the experiences are like and what needs to be done um so until we have people on the like at the front, forefront, um, who've had these lived experiences, um, making policies, we can't really, um, we can't really have progressive agendas. We can't really have progressive policies. And it's crazy because you know you have someone as powerful as Grace Tame, 
like really advocating from from the truth of her experience and yet we we yet to see any change yeah. <laughs> in, in the government and you know and add on top of that to that like we don't have enough women or men of color coming forward and advocating as strongly maybe they maybe there are maybe they don't get the media coverage and that's yeah. why we don't know about them um do you do you actually know of any good examples yes i think a, a very good example would be Tarang Chavla uh, and i just I read his tweet uh, tweet yesterday and i was just amazed this guy like his um young sister uh, died as a result of um, domestic violence and he's been such a strong advocate uh, for the last so many years and he's got you know numerous followers on twitter everywhere like he's just doing amazing work um and he'd written a tweet yesterday that um you know despite all of the work that he's done and despite the like there's been a number of mps and you know our former prime ministers have acknowledged the work that he has done um he wasn't invited to the summit and he had to actually ask to be invited so you know people like that are missing out and then you've got the prime minister um being the keynote uh, you know uh, providing the keynote uh, it just it just doesn't make sense is it also because that someone like Taran um his message is only circulating in a, in a sort of an echo chamber it's not it's not reaching the non people of color i don't i don't know if that's what that is because you know if he has done so much he's got a lot of support yeah people should be calling him inviting exactly. him to talk why is that not happening yeah that's right <laughs> exactly that's that's the thing um and it's again i think uh, I think it's not that I guess we've we have progressed and I do want to reiterate this we've moved you know we've moved we've come a long way away from the white Australian policy but it's just not long enough not yeah. far enough <laughs> as as people of color we just need to work harder than others I feel like we constantly need to put in that extra effort to get noticed um and it's it's a bit it's a sort of a sad reality that we still we are still um having to you know put in that extra effort to get noticed um you would hope that hopefully soon enough that we'll be on the same um sort of same ground as everyone uh, we are australian and it just feels really hard to say you know we're australian but then we're not treated the same as every australian um and you know the, i think the policy that came out last year about indians um Oh. getting fined if they came back from um oh know, yes it's like you know that just sort of reiterates that and again it comes back to the same point if we don't have people that look like us in parliament how are we going to advocate for us how are we going to you know put these ministers accountable for these sort of decisions that are being made unless there's more people that like look like us in parliament um objecting to these policies we just can't move forward you made a, a really good point and this is something that sort of it keeps coming back time and time and again is that because we look different we're not we're not seen as australians yeah we are australians we've integrated uh we still retain some aspects of culture and what not um but then we still participate <laughs> yeah. and contribute positively to society like you know what more do we need to do to be australians if a, a citizenship paper isn't enough 
funny. it's funny when you go to like sort of national platforms and Australia, like all the um, ministers and MPs will really boast on about how multicultural Australia is and how, you know, we're a country that has really sort of harmonized the different cultures and different ethnicities. I think there's over 300 different ethnicities that um, are in Australia. And, you know, so we, we really sort of, brag about that and how we're able to live so harmoniously within um, our society yet um, we don't see that in our parliament and I do complain a little bit about that because I I come from Singapore and we are very multicultural mm-hmm. and not not just on paper but you know we have like if you've if an Indian neighbor celebrating Diwali then the the Muslim neighbors and the Chinese neighbors they 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 know they're automatically invited to the home to have Indian food on that day. Yeah. And they come and they and they use their hands to eat. That is true multiculturalism. I don't really quite see that happening here. Yeah. It's making slow progress, I would say. Um, but yeah, I, I too too I, slow, Maddie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> too slow. And 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 not everyone any I mean, if you read the newspapers like the Australian, again, why would you? Uh <laughs> there, there's a lot <laughs> but if you do, um there are lots of journalists and there who are against multiculturalism yeah uh, and they say it's a it's an awful thing uh, but you know um and then that's a society we live in and therefore progress is just not happening fast enough yeah. <laughs> no, but i think on that point i think that point um is very relevant because again if there's more people that look like us within these platforms within politics within media then we can really sort of push for change uh, but until there's masses of these people on, at the forefront it's really difficult to see that change and that's the reason why change is so slow because there's not enough um there's not enough sort of resistance in that regard in your opinion then what do you think people of color should do if they can if they ever consider uh, getting into politics where should they start who should they approach yeah i think sort of um to begin i would say sort of form supportive networks uh, I think that's really missing um, and that's from my own personal experience when I uh, you know sort of um, indicated that I wanted to run I was told by various people within my own community that um, that my community would be the most difficult one to get behind me um, that you know there'll be a number of people in, that may not be supported within the community because everyone has their own agendas and everyone wants to you know have the top seat essentially um, so I think what's really and and it's untrue I think what the advice that I got is untrue I, I in my experience I met a lot of people that were incredibly supportive um, so I think what we really need to do is sort of build these supportive networks like you know and to, to sort of get to that point, I think do a lot of volunteer work. I think that's really what helped me because through my volunteer work, I met a lot of people um, that have gone through this path or that have, um, they've got these experiences, they've got this perspective on life that you wouldn't necessarily have. Um, and it's really hard to experience everything. So it's really good that you can draw on other people's experiences and, you know, have that, um, have that solid network of people um, and that not only helps you navigate the path but it also helps you when you're you know when you're having your low days and you're not really sure about what's happening and you're a bit disappointed so it's good to have that network um, that's going to encourage you and sort of motivate you and 
sort of keep you going. Um, and that's what I personally found was really good in terms of um, one was the Sikh temple, you know, the committees and people that I met through that. Um, other things like Emily's list again, like I said, it's sort of um, the legibility is sort of small. It's only women that are supportive um, of um, that are Labour Party members. Um, but that group I found was very supportive. And there were so many people that they could put me through to other people and sort of connect me and all of that. So I think if we have more of organisations that are like that, um, and one is the sort of the network, the supportive network. The second is awareness. I think a lot of us are not even aware of the processes, um, are not even aware of what we need to do. Um, you know, how do we even begin? Uh, often you, when you say you want to run, you're, you're asked, well, have you put in the hard work? And I remember that there was a question that I was asked and I was like, well, what's hard work you know <laughs> like i mean come on happened. you were you you are you talking about when you ran uh, when you were 18 people were asking you have you put in the hard work yeah no not necessarily just not oh, well. no, <laughs> <'cause> 18, <laughs> like <laughs> um, but even at that point and i guess at that point at my answer was yes because i was you know quite active as a volunteer uh, within city of casey but uh, even just like recently when i wanted to when i wanted to run for a seat um you do get that asked a lot and you just don't really know what is the hard work you know T someone tell me how do you navigate this what work can how can i get involved um, and I think that's that's really important to really be out there, be volunteering, be, you know, be seen. So have you got any final advice to give <laughs> to, to people yeah. of colour? I think the only advice I would say is that, like, the key point that we discussed earlier is just really be true to yourself. Like, don't um, – I, I know that the path is not easy. Um, it will take time. It will take – it may take years. You may be lucky and it may not take you years. Um, but as long as you're true to yourself, I think often um, – I don't know why there's this really bad perception around politicians that, you know, they're, they're liars and they don't, they don't really care about anyone else and all of those things. But I think at the core of it – we are all sort of serving the community and we can only really do that as long as we're sort of true to who we are. Um, so as long as you, I think, hold on to that really firmly. Manny, thank you so much for your time today. And for those who would like to know more about Manny, um, you can visit uh, Manny Kaur Verma, her full name, .com.au. Um, and also reach out to her should you have any questions at all. And obviously, she's got lots of experience <laughs> that she can leverage on and, and, and impart to you uh, as well. So thanks. Thanks, Manny. Thank you, Therini, for your time. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to hit subscribe. Allies in Politics podcast is part of the larger Allies in Colour organisation, where we advance people of colour in jobs, business and politics. Follow us on Twitter at Allies in Colour and also don't forget to join our Facebook group with the same name. Until next time.